Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, Fightful.com. FightfulMMA.com. It is UFC 230 post-show here on the Fightful Pro Wrestling channel. I know uh, our shows eventually will move to the Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel. The link is in the description below. You can check out all of James Lynch's great interviews as soon as he posts them. Carlos Toro's boxing podcasts. I go live with news updates. Going to go live with a couple of them based on stories we did tonight as well over there. So go subscribe there. Uh, You can enter to win a signed Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture uh, photograph. Just subscribe, comment anything on any video. Substantial. Don't just comment, comment. Don't be spamming us. But we will announce the winner of that on the uh, Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz post show, assuming that that event actually happens. But UFC 230 did happen. And I am joined tonight by one James Lynch. James, what's up? What's up, Sean? What a great card, uh, top to bottom. This was uh, quite the event. Glad to be here to, to talk to you about this one. Yeah, this was a blast. You talked to several fighters. Can't wait to, to hear about that. Uh, let's jump right into it, guys. Leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, all that good stuff. FightfulMMA.com. That's where you go for your Fightful MMA news. We're getting news up there faster, quicker, more news than ever before. So make sure you guys check it out. James getting a lot of good stuff. We started off this show with Marcos Rogerio de Lima, uh, essentially controlling Adam Wycheck via unanimous decision. This is after we learned that Brian Kelleher and Montel Jackson are off the card. Brian Kelleher made weight, couldn't make it to fight night. Yeah, food poisoning is what we're hearing, apparently, according to ESPN's Ariel Hawani. Uh, really disappointing because, of course, it was Kelleher's dream to fight at Madison Square Garden. He is a New York native. Uh, so just very, uh, very unfortunate for him because he was looking to bounce back coming off the loss to Lineker. So, uh, yeah, another, you know, sort of last minute thing that happened. And, you know, this could have been another situation with the New York Commission. They are, you know, we've seen chapped lips uh, prevent a fighter from uh, <laughs> yeah. competing on a card. So hopefully, uh, hopefully Brian's OK. Um, I was going to reach out to him this week and see, see what was going on. But if it was food poisoning that's just uh, unfortunate timing i guess almost breast implants too in buffalo uh, that's right Pearl, fight yeah, yeah. i was there she for was able to fight why check ducks underneath and immediately took delima down but delima pulled off a really outstanding sweep i was a little surprised that delima didn't stand up more he was happy with top control wasn't a great fight by any stretch delima has alternated wins and losses in all seven of his fights in the ufc didn't do any himself any favors as far as getting off of a fight pass card and why check is was two and oh before he took this fight on two weeks notice and drops a boring decision this was this was a, a quite a big hit to why check i think Big time. And I think it sort of reveals uh, what, what we've said about his last two two fights. Uh, you know, the Arjun Buller fight, uh, you know, he was arguably losing that fight. Buller makes a mistake. He gets submitted. Uh, the fight before that, Anthony Hamilton, no longer in the UFC. So those wins don't look so good now because, uh, you know, it wasn't a case of him looking great. It was just that perhaps he fought subpar competition. And Delima, I mean, I just think he looks a lot better at heavyweight. Uh, he was fighting at light heavyweight. Coming off that loss to OSP, had the win over Jeremy Kimball, but uh, I think this is the right weight class for him and kind of smart in his part too because heavyweight's sort of going through a transition right now. Um, you know, not an outstanding fight, but but a good win for DeLima, who I think uh, really, you know, is going to be a guy that's going to try and work his way up the, the, the division at this point as it's going through sort of that new uh, influx. Oftentimes on these prelim shows, a bad fight, or not a bad fight, but a boring fight can snowball into several. That was not the case here. Uh, Shane Burgos... Essentially, we're doomed Holaba, although he really got hit. They were slugging it out very early on, very good, tight stuff. And Holaba catches Burgos and drops him, but falls right into the guard and an arm bar for the submission. 
Halaba is now 0-2 in the UFC, went winless on Dana White's Contender Series. Meanwhile, Burgos went over to 4-1. Uh, I, I give my fight recommendations, whether you should watch or pass on these fights. Every morning when I, I pu- publish my podcast notes, this one's a must-watch in my estimation. This was just fast, furious, and a lot of fun. It was. You love fights like this. This is why we watch the sport. You, you always have to watch it to the very end to see what happens. I mean, if someone who just saw Burgos get clipped, you're probably you know going to leave the room for a second and uh, think that he's going to get finished. But he comes back, gets a submission. Uh, this is a great win for him. Uh, you know, a couple things we can take away from this. First off, I think Burgos needed this. You know, this was a lot of pressure on him uh, coming off a loss and, and fighting uh, you know in his home state at, at Madison Square Garden. So for him to uh, to go out there and get this win uh, looks good. He's right. He's right right back on track. I mean, you know, we can't forget last year he finished Charles Rose. So he has some pretty good notable uh, victories in the UFC so far. And for Halaba, I think it's just one of those things where it's just uh, he unfortunately is in the UFC sort of at the wrong time. I think uh, he took a lot of damage on the regional scene heading into his UFC debut. Um, and, and now this is two fights where he's I mean, this is a mistake, clearly. I mean, I think if he could go back and uh, look at this fight again, um, you know, he probably wouldn't have put himself in that position. But uh, I, I don't know if he gets a third fight here. It's tough to say. Is he UFC caliber at this point? I mean, uh, you know, two two losses, two finishes in the first round never looks good on the resume. So we'll see what the UFC does uh, after this fight. Yeah, he, he did have a nice run outside of the UFC. But, man, it doesn't look good when they give you a shot after Dana White's contender series anyway when you, when you don't pick up a win there and you lose your first two fights. It's rough. And, I mean, the, the guys that he was losing to outside of the UFC – we're talking Pat Healy, Steven Seiler, Andre Harrison, Frodo Kospelayev, who are all UFC caliber or were at the time at the very least. So, And this this is his second go in the UFC. He, he lost yeah. to Seiler back in the day. Uh, yeah. Lando Venata, <laughs> we said he might need a win to stay relevant. That's not true. He managed to do it with a draw tonight. I guess yeah. it's no surprise that these two stepped in and threw down immediately. Uh, he and Matt Favola. Lando ate a big head kick, dropped Frivola with one, two. Frivola's mouth guard came out, which also happened to Venata later on. Venata wasn't setting up his leg kicks at all during this fight, and Frivola was countering accordingly. Just a must-watch round in round one, and uh, Frivola lands these huge knees and elbows briefly as a guillotine applied. You could tell after the first round this was going to be something special. Yeah, this is one of those fights doesn't happen often where, you know, a draw or a loss in the case of a fighter, in this case, a draw, uh, you know, the fighter ends up coming out better. And I think, you know, Venata, a lot of people were writing him off, um, you know, heading into this fight. Uh, I know, you know, I know I said on the pre-show that I thought this was a fight that uh, Venata clearly should win. But this was another, you know, this is probably the next best thing uh, in terms of him putting on a good performance. Uh, there were ch- there were moments in the fight where I felt like he could have finished Revola. Um, but, uh, you know, credit to to, uh, to Frivola, who ends up... Uh, you know, hanging in there and, and almost uh, finished Lando as well uh, at certain points in this fight. Um, I'm surprised they went with the draw. I, I personally thought Frivola won the fight, but, um, you know, either way, I think this was a, an entertaining fight for both guys. I don't think you can really, you know, oftentimes when we have a draw, it's usually very disappointing. This, was, this wasn't the case. This was actually a very entertaining fight, and I imagine both guys will be back uh, in the UFC next. Yeah, this, this was a blast. I thought Felder was a little rough on this call. He was, he seemed pretty biased towards Lando Venata, which... I didn't think he even tried to hide. Um, in the first 70 seconds of round two, Venata got caught with two big punches to the head, a couple to the body. Somehow, after all of the, all of the flurries that, that happened, Favola was able to put together some really nice combination. This was stand and bang mode on EA UFC 3. That's what it was. A majority draw. What did you think of the decision? Yeah, I, I, I thought uh, Frivola should have won the fight. I had him winning 29-28, but, um, you know, a draw as well. When you have a fight like this that is very close, they're, you know, both guys had their moments. I, I'm not upset with it. It's not, you know, I'm not going to be outraged about it. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, this is just one of those things where if you're fighting Lando Venata, you're going to be in a close fight. I mean, Venata's had a draw already against Bobby Green. Um, he's had some close fights before. So that that's going to happen. And, and for Frivola, um, you know, obviously, uh, again, I, I think both guys, their, their stock went up from a fight like this, even though it didn't end up as a draw just because it was so entertaining. So we'll see what the UFC does next and we'll see it with, uh, you know, what happens with, uh, with both these guys. I, I, I hope that, you know, uh, Venata doesn't get cut after this because I know he hasn't won a fight in quite some time. Lyman Good puts away Ben Saunders, man. Yeah. And this, this is the time for Lyman Good to go on his run. He missed mm-hmm. two years. Then he came back, uh, lost a full year, essentially. They just stepped in and tested each other in the clinch. 
James. This was unbelievable. And somebody was going to go down. They just weren't letting go until somebody went down. Knees from Saunders, uppercuts from Lyman Good. Saunders has dropped, eats some hammer fist. That's a wrap, James. Certainly was. Lyman Good striking on point in this one. Uh, able to, to land on Saunders a couple times. And this was a great win for him. And, you know, to do it on a big stage in New York, uh, you know, again, uh, he's a Tiger Shulman's fighter. Uh, one of the, I think the only Tiger Shulman's fighter tonight that actually picked up a victory. So uh, for him to, or sorry, Burgos, I guess, did as well. But uh, but good nonetheless, um, you know, needed a big win like this and sort of put the spotlight back on him because, you know, like you said, he had the layoff. He had the USADA suspension. He had all these other things that sort of held him back. And again, I, I go back to the Ultimate Fighter where, you know, he lost. Austin Dana White said, oh, it's because that guy's from Bellator. So for him to, to to put on a performance like this is great. For Saunders, I mean, I, I don't know what he has left at this point. He's, uh, you know, he I know he beat Ellenberger in his last fight, but there's a couple fights now where he's kind of going into that scary territory getting finished pretty brutally. So um, I, I don't know what they do with him at this point, but for Lyman Good, uh, great, great win, and hopefully we'll see him back sooner rather than later so he can get some momentum, like you mentioned, off the top there. Yeah, uh, Lyman Good is... Uh, it, like I said, it is time for him to make his move. What do you think happens with Ben Saunders? He's won four or lost four of his last five. He might he might get one more here. Uh, give give him another veteran at this point, um, or or maybe they go the prospect route. I don't know, but uh, I don't think there's much left for Ben. Ben really doesn't have to prove much anymore, anyways. He's fought in the UFC, fought in Bellator, he's fought everywhere, and uh, you know at this point, I think. You know, he's, he's not anywhere close to, to being a title shot uh, guy or anything like that. So I, th- I think at this point, it's it's either give him a notable veteran or give him an up-and-comer and, and see if he has enough left to compete in the UFC because right now there's a bit of a question mark there. Sergio Marias' decision, Julie Hoharsa, and this was a bloodbath. My God. We had somebody saying, didn't catch the prelims. What painted up the canvas? It was this fight. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I hate to I hate to rag on Felder again, but an unwritten rule of broadcasting is to not say what happened, what happened, while you've got it on a screen. And Felder did that after Marias dropped him with a hook. Marias withstands, uh, or uh, Mista, or pardon me, Arce <laughs> withstands the stacking and uh, ground strike, strikes and gets to the the back, just blood everywhere. And Arce gets dropped again towards the end of round two. But uh, this was just a, a domination, essentially, and, and one fighter controlling the other, James. Huge win for Marias. Uh, I was very impressed by this. Uh, Arce was on a roll heading into this fight, if you remember. Uh, you know, he had some uh, the win over Tamer and then the win over Dan Ige before that. So um, for him to, to, to lose a fight like this, again, an entertaining fight, um, you know, very impressive for Marias. And, and I think, you know, kind of vindicating for Marias as well, if you remember when he had his UFC debut, who did he have to fight on short notice? Oh, that was uh, Zabit Megash uh, Sharapov or whatever. Um, you know, so that's a tall task. Uh, you know, second straight win here. Um, he's a guy to keep an eye on in the featherweight division for sure. And for Arce, um, you know, split decision. It's not like he got finished here. He'll be back, I'm sure. But uh, it's been a while since he's lost. I think he had, what, something like a, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my, my thing here, a seven-fight win streak. So, uh, you know, for him, I'm sure he'll get back on the horse after this one. But great fight overall. Love seeing matchups like this. Number four, Sajara Eubanks outpoints. Number seven, Roxanne Modafferi. Sajara Eubanks misses weight, so I guess it's a good thing she was not in the main event of tonight's fight, uh, James. Yes, it was. Uh, oh, man, I mean, could that could that have gone any worse? And and the fact is, like Shajara, you know, she trains in New York. It's not like she's taking a, like a long ass flight from somewhere across the world, so you could blame it on jet lag or something. Like she should have made weight for this fight. Um, you know, any chance of any talk of her fighting for a title anytime soon is out the window. Even though she got the win here tonight, I mean, if you can't make weight, there's repercussions for that. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about this. Uh, you know, on Friday, just saying that they might give her the John Lineker treatment, which is, you know, what you're winning in your weight class. You're not making weight, so it's time for you to bump up a weight class. That might happen here uh, with Sajara, but we'll, we'll see what they do. But did I not say it on the pre-show? Sajara by decision. I figured that was going to happen here, uh, you know, in terms of uh, this fight, and I thought that uh, decision prop was a steal. She gets it done. I, this wasn't surprising to me at all. I, you know, Roxanne Modafferi, it's a great story of what she's been able to do and, you know, persevere and, and, and get a win in the UFC, but Sajara was, was clearly the better fighter, but uh, she's got to make weight. That, that's unfortunately going to be the story coming out of this, not her win, her missing weight. Yeah, and we find out about it yesterday, and she was understandably upset that she had the main event pulled from her. But as it turns out, that was a good decision. Uh, Eubanks takes Roxanne down, but I thought Roxanne was very active off of her back. And before she went for swinging around for the armbar that she was not going to get on Sajara Eubanks, I thought she she was doing much better for herself. She opened herself up to a lot of strikes, and in round two, she was active on the feet, but she was still swinging with those pillow hands. 
And as active and as forward as she was, she wasn't doing any damage. She would throw six or seven. Sajara would fire back with one cracker and change the way that things were. Uh, Eubanks lets Roxanne up, and Eubanks was tired, it looked like, seven or eight minutes in. What does that say to you? Ultimately, Eubanks was able to get a second win and took that third round, but could you imagine if that was Shevchenko in there with her? Yeah, no, I, I was thinking the same thing when I was watching that fight because it's like, you know, that's a five-round fight. Uh, you know, thankfully she got a second win in this one, but I mean, are you going to have that opportunity to get that second win against someone like Valentina? It's tough to say. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with her at this point because, again, the UFC's, I mean, if you're the UFC, do you do you want to put her in a high-profile fight knowing that there's a possibility of her missing weight? This isn't like Darren Till or Yoel Romero because, I, I mean, they're, they're much more popular fighters here. And, and you know, it's not like they've done it twice in, in, in two fights. I guess Romero did technically, but come on, it's Yoel yeah. Romero here. Um, but uh, but Sajara, I, I don't know what they do here with her because flyweight is c- completely wide open at the moment outside the title fight. Anyone could sort of, uh, you know... It's up for grabs, so to speak. So, um, yeah, we'll I'll be curious to see what the UFC does. But, I mean, this was a good win for her. But, again, it, it doesn't mean anything because you missed weight. Yeah, Roxanne telegraphed a takedown attempt and got body locked to the mat, got controlled until the end of the fight. Eubank says she isn't sure what her future was. But, man, I don't think it's a good look to deflect the blame like that, like she yeah. did. And she said this and that. And I'm like, women all throughout the history of MMA have made weight when they've had issues. And when she says... Oh, why don't you all come in here and do it? Well, that's that's not our job. It's her job. Your and- your job your job at most jobs is to come into work on time. If you're late all the time, guess what happens? You get fired. It's no different than you know missing weight. It's the same thing. Yeah. I it, you all can pass on watching this one. Uh, Eubanks' next fight might be worth watching because there might be stakes to it. But she essentially removed the stakes from this fight. She could have very well been in line to get the next title shot. But she virtually, she pretty much eliminated that. I don't know how you could trust Sajara Eubanks to do this. I I would have her fight Nico Montano next. I mean, that's <laughs> see, and just assume that that fight's not going to happen. Well, just you have you have to put on on the fight card TBA because you don't know what's going to happen. Right? Exactly. Jordan Rinaldi he dominated Jason Knight on the ground. Wow. Man. Joe Rogan always flips out when Mission Control is applied. Like every time, here it is, Mission Control, which is a fantastic way to control someone until you move out of mission control. And that's virtually it. Like I, I very rarely see anything set up from there. I know he tried to know a plot to once, but that's it. Rinaldi did such a great job switching from a body triangle when Knight was on his side over to hooks when he is on his back. This continues throughout the entire fight until Knight at one point tried to spike Rinaldi. This was uh, all Jordan Rinaldi. What a fall from grace for Jason Knight. Uh, I mean, here's a guy who had a four-fight win streak, including that impressive win over Chaz Skelly at UFC 211, and now he's lost four fights in a row. Um, but but I got to give full credit to Jordan Rinaldi. I did not expect in a performance like this out of him, uh, you know, especially after that loss to Gregor Gillespie. I think him uh, moving down um, to uh, featherweight, I think, was, uh, you know, paid dividends in this matchup here. And uh, he looked great. Uh, you mentioned the ground skills. I, I thought it was just, it wasn't even close. It just looked like someone who was, you know, on a different level uh, competing. And, uh, you know, I think this was a big win for him. Um, you know, a, a guy, like I said, who had a good UFC debut. Uh, sorry, well, had a had a not-so-good UFC debut, had a good uh, second fight, and then had a bad fight in his third fight. So now it's like he's alternating between wins and losses. Let's see if he can string together some wins off a performance like this. But getting a win over Jason Knight on your resume always looks good. So this is a big win for Jordan Rinaldi. Main card time, and it was it was a very good main card. Oh, yeah. boy, was this, this is a fantastic main card. Last style bender, Israel Adesanya, who you spoke to on uh, Fightful's new YouTube channel. Uh, check it out, guys. Link in the description below. Subscribe to our new MMA and boxing YouTube channel. Defeats number six, Derek Brunson. And I thought that the way that, that Adesanya approached this win afterwards was brilliant. He said he was either going to come out really cautious like Silva, like he did against Silva or really reckless and dumb like he did against uh, Whitaker. And he did both because I made him do both. This was really, really fantastic. Brunson pushed Adesanya against the cage. And James, one thing I really liked was that Adesanya let Herb Dean know that it was a problem that Derek Brunson was holding onto the cage. He, he was very audible about that. He said, Check it out. Stop it. I'm not dealing with this. That's good. More fighters should do that. Yeah. 
Hey, you went a little Diaz in this fight, which I liked. I thought that was good. Uh, you know, showing a little bit more personality here. This was this was a great performance. I mean, uh, th- this couldn't have gone any better for Israel. First round finish on a huge card like this in New York. It was a dream of his to compete at Madison Square Garden. He talked about it in our interview. This guy's a star. I, I mean, I'll say this right now. This is a guy that if you're the UFC, you put all your marbles on this guy. He can talk. He can fight. He can do it all. And, you know, uh, you know, we saw him. What I love about his last couple of fights especially is like, you know, the last fight against Tavares, we really got to see him go into deep waters and, and display a variety of his, of his skill set. In this fight, it was can he handle the wrestler? He didn't even need to worry about that because he finished him in the first round. This was just an incredible performance from Israel Adesanya. And I don't know what you do with him next, but if someone was to say he fights the winner of Calvin Gaslam and Robert Whitaker, I would have no issues with that. No problem with that at all. I, I would be completely fine with that. You look at the way that this middleweight division is, and there are two people in the top 10 that have three fight winning streaks. That's him and Paulo Costa. And they both have four fight winning streaks. And <laughs> this was just... This was just really, really good. Derek Brunson started to wade in, leap in for takedowns and strikes after after that that separation where he lost his position, and then he just got his head mashed down on every every stuff. And Adesanya started to pick Brunson apart. Strikes at range or straight punches at range, jumping knees. Finally, the ref steps in. Adesanya did exactly what he needed to do, and you're looking at a guy who just since February. The last eight, nine, or nine, ten months, four and zero in the UFC, James. That's outstanding. Yeah, uh, and what a year for him! Like I forget that he just made his debut this year. Like it's not like something where you know he's he's been around for a while. I mean, this guy is is clearly. I mean, there's been a lot of good performances this year, but as far as fighter of the year goes, I mean, he's got to be up there. Four wins in a row, um, especially his last two fights, uh, taking out Tavares and Brunson. Very impressive. Um, just I, I don't know that again. Sometimes the UFC gets lucky with some of their fighters. I think they they, they struck gold with this guy. Um, just there, there's so much to like about Israel Adesanya. If, if someone hates him, I, I can't. I, you need to tell me a reason why. Because you know I see a lot of people saying he's cocky. He backed it up. If you're cocky and you're overconfident and you back it up, that is a recipe for for superstardom. And, and again, I think this guy uh, just he, he couldn't have had a better win tonight. And, and that's a highlight reel we're going to be seeing for a while over a guy in Derek Brunson who's had some good wins and, and had some uh, you know notable fights. So this is a big win for him. I am very excited to add to the new MMA and boxing YouTube the isolated clip of Adesanya running from a bee during your interview with him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. One of the dodge it all. Yeah. One of the all time great moments in MMA interview history is Adesanya walking around with his phone and a bee attacking him. <laughs> oh, my God. That was fantastic. If you're Adesanya, you, he, he says he, he's top five now. I believe it. And we talk about the ever-changing middleweight division that might be changing more. And we've seen Vitor retire. Anderson pulled from the rankings because of a USADA thing that really wasn't his issue. Um, you, you've got Machida hitting the bricks. He's gone. Bisping retired. So you, and Tiago Santos is about to leave the division, probably. Uh, David Branch is falling out of the top 10, I would think, right now. Brunson's uh, tumbling down in that division. Rockhold might be leaving. Who knows what Romero's going to do? This, the middleweight and light heavyweight divisions, uh, they're just changing and changing and changing. It's, it's nuts. So Adesanya is coming along at the right time, I think. Yeah, and, and I think the division needs him too. Uh, there's a lot of question marks right now with what's going on as it's sort of going through this influx. You know, Rockhold might be moving up. Uh, you know, you've got this title fight, which was finally announced, but I mean, who knows if either of those guys are going to make it at this point. I mean, Whitaker's had so many injuries. Um, you know, it, to me, this is the timing couldn't be better because – you know, I don't want to go off on like a huge rant here, but, you know, we, we talked last week a lot on the show, on the Fightful MMA podcast about, you know, Demetrius Johnson leaving and how, you know, people didn't appreciate him enough. But that's because they didn't have someone in their division that really made you want to tune into that division. And the UFC plays a blame for that, too. But I think Adesanya could be that guy for middleweight. Uh, you know, we had that years ago with Anderson Silva when Chris Weidman was champion. Really not a lot going on. He doesn't have a huge personality, but now you've got this Adesanya guy. I really think they got to capitalize on this and take advantage of it. And, and every division needs uh, you know, a mouthpiece. I think Adesanya is their guy. I think they should book him on uh, that Australia show. Yep. Just in case. And maybe the guy I book him against is Anderson Silva. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, a fight that people will pay attention to. If they don't know Adesanya, they will. And worst case scenario, you have Anderson Silva win, and the UFC would just love to pop him into a main event just because, just just to do it. If if something uh, 
if something happened and he managed to starch Adesanya, which I, I don't see happening at this stage. Yeah, I, I don't mind that fight. When I first heard that, I was kind of like, ah, well, you know, I mean, Anderson, you know, he beat Brunson. So it's like you yeah. can kind of say like it's a step back. But, uh, you know, he's still a name, I guess. And for Adesanya, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, as much as he's earned uh, a spot at the title, he, there's no rush to, to get him there either. So uh, you could do sort of a filler fight while you wait for this, uh, this you know, the, the title fight. And then, like you said, if something falls through, you can just slot him in there. So that might not be a bad idea, actually. But I know there's another fight we got to talk about in here, too, where that could play some implications as well. So we'll, we'll see. But either way, again, it's, uh, it's good to be Israel Adesanya tonight. It's going to be Carl Roberson tonight, too. He picked apart Jack Marshman, 1v, unanimous decision. He opened up with long lefts, body kicks, low kicks. Uh, it, up against the fence, he threw some elbows, some nice stuff in the clinch, over the top that I liked. Marshman was looking to counter, and every time he did it, he would do it in bunches. And it looked like, man, if, if some of those land, that, that could be trouble. But uh, Marshman would swing wide. He got dumped on his back. Almost Von Flew choked himself, which fortunately he didn't because I do want this show to be very – I don't want it to be a two-hour show, and I would go off. But it's pretty. it was pretty clear that Roberson got hurt early with uh, early in the ki- fight with a kick, and he confirmed as much after the fight. But got a good win, and they're going to keep moving him along. He is a Contender Series alum, so, you know, they, they almost they – almost, I don't want to say the self-fulfilling prophecy because you can't – decide who wins and loses these fights, but they want those contender series guys to do well. They certainly do. And let's not forget, he also fought in glory as well. So that's another guy coming over like Adesanya, who's uh, had some success in MMA. And uh, you have to go all the way back to uh, June of 2015, the last time Carl Roberson went to a decision. So uh, you mentioned the injury. I mean, clearly that played a role. And just the fact that I think Marshman's tough as nails. I mean, there's a couple of times where, you know, a lot of other middleweights probably would have gone down and, and got finished. So, you know, credit to Marshman in this fight. But, you know, good win for for Robertson. Uh, again, middleweight, like I said, going through a transition period right now. No need to rush a guy like this, 28 years old. Pull him along. Let's see what he's made of. But, uh, you know, it's a good win. I mean, a lot of fighters, if they have an injury, they, they can't crack it. And he was able to persevere through it and, and pick up a decision. It was a good fight. I have a card full of good fights, really. But Jared Cannonier. A guy that you talked to this past week had some great pro wrestling quotes that I got to use for my Fightful Weekly. I thought he was a very live dog in this fight, but I didn't know how live he was going to be. And Dave Branch maybe has underperformed since joining the UFC, but I don't know that I expected him to be a top five middleweight anyway. But when you look at what Jared Cannonier did, a guy who's fought at heavyweight and light heavyweight, and people didn't think that he would make this weight. And quite frankly, when I heard that Rockhold got hurt, and Souza was out of this fight and moving up, I assumed that this fight would take place at light heavyweight. Because why wouldn't it? Cannoneer fought there last. Dave Branch has fought there before. I, I'm honestly surprised it wasn't offered there. But it, all things considered, it's good. We saw that Jared Cannoneer could make the weight. We saw that he could overcome adversity in this fight. Uh, Branch landed a power double with ease and just kept taking down Cannoneer. Cannonier would get up and throw in some elbows, get taken down. He, I thought he was okay on the, the separation, but he kept getting taken down. Then all of a sudden, he cracks Dave Branch, who had tried to feign a takedown and follow up with a hook, and just finished the fight. And he was a huge baby face in New York against Dave Branch, who's from the area. This was a career night for Jared Cannonier. And when you talk to him, he said, listen, I know I've lost quite a few fights, but they're against really good fighters, and I'm a really good fighter. I think he proved it tonight. Yeah, and it's funny uh, you say that because uh, Dominic Reyes' manager uh, tweeted out something like, oh, it just shows how good Dominic Reyes is, you know, like just talking about the Cannoneer, uh, you know, performance tonight. But I love this fight. You know, I love a good underdog story. I, You know, we talked about this on the, on the pre-fight show. Uh, you know, the line was a little off on this one. I'm going to read you some prop bets here. Just, uh, you know, we're pretty incredible. Sure. Cannoneer wins in round two. Prop was plus 1275. Cannoneer wins by TKO KO prop was plus 590. I mean, you know, I know David Branches look good, but I mean, he's getting up there in age. This is a, a big opportunity here for Jared. And, you know, I talked about it too. You know, this is Branch had so much pressure in this fight. You know, he he lost out on the Yoel Romero fight and on the Jacare Souza fight. He's fighting in New York. Everyone's expecting him to win. He's this huge favorite. Cannonier, he's got a couple losses, but he wasn't expected to win this fight. Now he's got a huge win here. He's brought new life in the, you know, we've, the theme tonight we've been talking about, the middleweight division going through an influx. He's another guy you can add in that list. I thought this was a good win for him. 
you know, coming from a good camp at the MMA lab, uh, this is a really impressive performance taking out a guy in Branch. And it's funny how things can flip around because now Branch is as is, is impressive as that he had that win um, over Santos. Now he's lost two of his last three fights by stoppage. So, uh, you know, where does Branch go from here? That's the big question. And, and at 37 years old as well. And you get Cannonier, he's no spring chicken either. He's, he's 34 years old and had lost three of his last four so there was a there was a possibility that if he lost even on short notice, they probably would have kept him around because as a favor because he took the fight on short notice. But it doesn't look good. But this does look good. It looks very good. And Jared Cannonier is somebody. I mean, I think that that win over Ian Kutalaba is better than it, it will age a lot better than anybody realizes. And that's when I, I looked at him and I was like, all right, all right, not bad. And I mean, yeah, he he's fought a little bit everywhere. I remember years ago. When we are our main live coverage guy, David Tease, he would cover Alaskan Fighting Championship at like two in the morning. And I'm like, whoever came out of there? Well, Jared Cannonier did. He came out of Alaskan Fighting Championship. Uh, a great win for him. Uh, we do have a reaction piece on FightfulMMA.com. Make sure you guys check that out. As well as the Fightful MMA podcast every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Myself, James Lynch, Showdown Joe go live. Joe is a certified MMA judge and referee. So he's got unique insight to that. James talks to dozens of fighters every single month. So make sure you guys check that out. Tuesdays, 2 p.m. Eastern. Jacare Souza starched Chris Weidman. This was a fight, James. And I thought Veneta and Frivola had a lot for fight of the night. Uh, not so much. These two guys came in and delivered. Great fight. I, I loved everything about this fight. It, it sort of had that, you know, you, you could see the tide turning on either side at certain moments. The striking was good. Um, you know, both guys got cracked. I mean, Weidman still gets hit a lot, and unfortunately it cost him in this fight, uh, I think, towards the end. Souza getting a shot over the head and just, uh, you know, rocked Weidman. Bad stoppage, by the way. I, we got to point that out. Uh, Mergliotta. I mean, Weidman's clearly out. Yeah. Mergliotta kind of has that hesitation. And then Jacare hits him again after that, and it's like, he's out. Like, everyone on planet Earth can see this except for Dan Mergliotta, so I don't know what happened there. But, um, you know, this was just... You know, it's unfortunate for Weidman, but this this was a, just a great fight. I think this is one of those fights we'll look back on as, as one of the, the the best fights of the year, in my opinion. I, I just like the way that the back and forth, because, I mean, these guys are getting up there in age. Jacare is 38, Weidman's 34. The fact that they were able to put on a performance like that at their age was just remarkable. And, you know, we forget how good Jacare Souza is. You know, he has a split loss to Calvin Gaslam. He got knocked out by Whitaker. But, uh, you know, this is a huge win for him. And poor Chris Weidman, I think one in three now in New York. Uh, New York hasn't been very, very nice to him. He got the win over Gaslam and then lost to Musasi, uh, Romero, and now Jacare tonight. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where Weidman goes from here. I have some ideas. Maybe we can talk about that after. But uh, in the meantime, huge, huge win, huge win for Souza, who uh, may very well get a rematch against Whitaker, uh, assuming Whitaker beats Calvin Gaslam. It's weird to think of Chris Weidman as this 34-year-old guy who's been through the ringer because I remember him as a 26, 27 year old prospect and even a 28, 29 year old champion. Uh, let's walk through this fight. Jacare slinked forward to start. He wanted to get low, but got caught with a lot of jabs and kicks. Chris Weidman looked great opening, uh, opening up and Jacare got countered a lot when he threw. Uh, Weidman found some success in the clinch at Jacare seemed really one dimensional with that overhand and uh, Weidman sh shook Jacare up with a combo and a right. Jacare finally landed one of those overhands after getting cracked, started to switch up to the body, and uh, Weidman started off round two and control again with the knees. I noticed, James, when either one of these guys would open up, there, there wasn't really an exchange. There was maybe one counter, but each guy would just cover up. So it seemed yeah. like the guy who could sustain the longest flurry was, was in charge of things. We saw that especially with Jacare in round two where he just opened up, and then when uh, Weidman covered up to the head. He uh, Jacare went to the body over and over again. That's where the tides really started to turn. I thought in uh, the third round, even uh, oh, and also there was that beautiful <laughs> just roll that Jacare did out of the takedown. Just immediately was like, nope, I'm back up on my feet. We're good to go. A knee to the body in the third round sets up the beginning of the end for Weidman, and Jacare just catches him in the temple, cracks him, eyes roll in the back of his head. Everybody saw it, but Dan Mergliata, as you mentioned. Jacare even. So at that point, I'm like, okay, maybe Mergliata didn't see what we saw. But I'm like, no, Jacare saw it. And Jacare's sitting there like, come on, what are we doing here? Fine, if I have to. Yeah. And finished Weidman. That was unfortunate. Uh, first off, let's talk about the win for 
Jacare Souza. For Jacare, this is obviously huge because he's been a guy who over the last couple of years, he, he beat Tim Boach and Derek Brunson, but those aren't exactly the tip-top guys. He beat Vitor Belfort. Vitor was still something in 2016, but he lost to two guys that he needed to beat, especially, or three guys, rather. Romero, Whitaker, Gastelum. The three guys that if you won a title shot, you're going to have to beat those guys. He wasn't able to do it. Where do you see uh, his future going, especially at 37? There, there's a lot of options for him at this point. I think with the magnitude of the of, the, of this card, it being the co-main event, him finishing Weidman, I think you could make the case for a title shot. Um, now, the thing is, his last loss was to Gaslam, and that was in May. So if Gaslam wins, I don't know if you're so eager to do that. Now, Whitaker... He lost to him in April of last year, so that might make a little bit more sense. But you never know what the UFC is thinking. The other option is, what about Israel Adesanya? I mean, that could be the co-main event of that uh, title fight if you think about it because, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, Israel's earned it. And I think Jokere certainly has earned himself, you know, a close to a title shot at this point. The only risk there is, I, and I would seriously feel that way, is that, you know, there, there's a chance that Adesanya could lose that fight. And I think at this point, you want to get him to that title shot and then see how he does. You don't want to give him a guy like Jacare necessarily who's dangerous everywhere and has more ways to beat you. I mean, going from Derek Brunson to Jacare, I think is a bit of a jump. So uh, we'll see. But again, Adesanya keeps beating these guys the way he does. You never know. Um, so I, to answer your question, I think either a title shot or I think a top contender or the other guy is Paulo Costa. Um, cause I don't want to see Costa and Adesanya fight. They're two prospects. Let those guys have different paths to, to their title shot. So you could always do that as well. But, uh, either way, good, uh, good for Jacare Souza, but kind of bizarre though. He's like alternated between wins and losses in his last four fights. And, uh, you know, the wins, you know, Tim Boach, Belfort, uh, Brunson, I mean, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, but this, this is probably the biggest win he's had in the UFC. Yes, there's a lot to unpack with this. Uh, as we as we mentioned, Adesanya in the fold. I think by now, if UFC hasn't figured out the formula, whatever title fight you have, you need at least two fights underneath that top ten, top fifteen, because you might have a situation where, like, say Lewis and Cormier, say that fell out. You need another. You honestly needed another heavyweight fight underneath this. They couldn't because it was short notice. But you, the middleweights are a good example. They had that stacked up, and they were able to put people in and move things around. You need that to save some of these cards. Chris Weidman, it really seems like ever since he knocked out the greatest striker in middleweight history, that his wrestling maybe hasn't been employed the way that it used to. At times it has been, but he doesn't really utilize that to the level. Now, granted, against the Jacare Souza, maybe that's not what you want to do. But what do you think? I mean, his, his game has changed completely. I don't know what you do with Wyman at this point, but I mean, the, the, the stats are there, you know, one in four in his last five fights. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know what to say there. Like, what do you do with him at this point? He can't obviously compete with the, the higher levels. Now, granted, if this fight goes to the scorecards, it's probably pretty close because I don't know about you, but I scored it one apiece heading into that yes. third. So Two um, judges had it uh, 2018 for Weidman. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, which surprised me. Yeah. Uh, well, New York. Um, yeah, I don't that's know. That's a good point. Um, but nonetheless... I, I'm going to throw something out here, and I might get a lot of crap for it. Weidman, I, I know he's not a huge middleweight. Maybe 205 might be the better weight class for him at this point, only because, I mean, what what is he really going to do at this point at middleweight? We've talked about all the, the newcomers coming through at this point. I don't know what you do with him now. You know, is that cut factoring into the fact he's, you know, he's getting hit and, and getting knocked out? I don't know. It's tough to say. I know Rockhold for sure should fight at 205. Maybe Weidman should follow that course as well, too, because, again, it's a new division. Maybe he doesn't, you know, the weight cut won't impact him so much. But I don't know. We'll see. But either way, I mean, at this point, he is not a top contender anymore losing a fight like this. I know, again, he could have won this fight if he just would have not gotten knocked out. But, you know, one in four, you can't ignore that. We've also got a lot of people in the live chat. Thank you, guys. Asking, what if... The UFC comes to their senses, and they do develop a 165-pound, 175-pound division. You think an Adesanya can make 175? I don't know. That's uh, that's interesting. There'll be a lot of chips that fall if, if that weight division goes down. We know a bunch of people who can make 165, but we don't know anybody from 185, really, who can drop to 175. Whitaker could, ideally, but he seems to be doing damn well at 185. Like why? Why even mess around with it? 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's a tough one because I I think part of them making new divisions, if they were to go that route, is you have to think who ideal. Like, is there someone that could be a champion that's not a champion right now that would really, you know, give attention to that division, right? Like with one fifty five or one sixty five. I mean, the obvious choice is McGregor or Kevin Lee or someone that obviously cuts a lot of weight, and you know, it it would sort of meet that there. But yeah, could or not Asani make one seventy five? Could Weidman? I mean, if Weidman drops and makes the weight, are people really going to be like, I can't wait to see that division because of Chris Weidman? Probably not right now. His stock's never been lower, so I don't know. It's tough. Reminder, guys, you can check out our premium service, FightfulSelect.com. Heavy on the pro wrestling content, but I do have some MMA content up there as well. If it were a work, if it were a shoot podcast monthly, uh, UFC rankings breakdown weekly. We do alternate fight commentary once a month as well. Lots of early access to stories as well. We got the main event, Derek Lewis versus Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier looking to make history and something that I hadn't realized, James. Looking to become the first man to be able to defend two titles to, in different weight classes. And I just assumed that Randy Couture had because every fight he had for like years was a title fight. Not necessarily the case. He made history tonight. And before we even get into the fight, going into this night, where did you rank Daniel Cormier all time among heavyweights? Oh yeah, that, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I'd say I still, I, I'm one of those old school guys where I still think Fedor, his body of work, I mean, speaks for itself and, you know, don't give me this crap about, oh, and Pride, he didn't fight. I mean, Pride had the best heavyweights back when he fought. Yeah, and, you great know, heavyweights. You know, so I, I still think Fedor is the greatest of all time. He's got to be right behind there at this point. Um, and actually, well, to answer your question heading in, I mean, it's tough because, you know, you only had, I, I guess he had the wins and strike force. So you could count those. Uh, beating Stipe and Stipe's body of work himself is impressive. I mean, I, I would have to put him at number two at this point. It's tough because Kane also had a good run, but he just, you know, he it was just so short that it's tough to really look back and compare the two. I'd probably put Cormier at two still, even with, like, Fedor to me is still the best. Reminder, guys, check out our new Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube. Link is in the description below. Subscribe, leave a comment on any of our videos. Be registered to uh, win the signed Chuck Liddell Randy Couture photograph. Show your boys at Fightful some love. Eventually, our podcast will be over there. Right now, we're going to keep them on the Pro Wrestling channel as we build up that MMA channel. But James has a ton of interviews over there. Derek Lewis <laughs> apparently hurt Daniel Cormier, if Cormier is to be believed. But you really couldn't tell it. There was a leg kick landed and maybe a punch towards the end when Cormier came in. A uh, close call and a head kick. But other than that, it was Daniel Cormier wrestling domination. A high single leg. Dragged him down. I mentioned on our preview on Tuesday, it was impressive that Derek Lewis had Gabriel Gonzaga on his back and he's just like, well, I'm going to stand up. But he did that with Cormier too, which is just as impressive, even though Cormier went on to control him. But he wasn't able to overcome that in the second round and Daniel Cormier choked him out. Regardless, you know, and Cormier took this fight because he matched up well with Lewis. This is still real impressive, man. Volkov, put the pain on Derek Lewis for three rounds and couldn't put him away. Daniel Cormier, it was not a problem, James. Yeah, it's, it, there's levels in, in this division and, and in, you know, in a lot of divisions where it just shows the level of talent. And, and Cormier is just a step above. And he even said it post-fight. He's like, you know, Derek Lewis is a great fighter, but you know, he's just, I don't know if he used the word levels, but he just said that you know, there's, there's sort of different skill sets uh, in, in that division. And uh, he looked great in this fight. Um, I, one thing I wanted to ask you, I, I'm sure you were going to talk about it, but uh, him talking about Brock with the WWE Championship, were you like the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland when you heard that? Yes, because that is the one positive that can come of Brock Lesnar winning that championship that almost nobody, I'm talking like based on the reception we got, about 90, 95% of fans did not want him winning that title yesterday. So the fact that he has it and Daniel Cormier is saying, yeah, bring it on over here. And the thing is, Daniel Cormier would do it and would fully – be like, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll work WrestleMania. Sure, I'll do that. I can put something together real quick and Braun Strowman run through him in like two minutes. He's he's business like that. A good person to go back and look at is Muhammad Ali. He would get in the ring with uh, Gorilla Monsoon and you would think a guy like Muhammad Ali is going to have a big ego. He's not going to let some fat wrestler boss him around. Oh, no. Muhammad Ali jobbed out for Gorilla Monsoon, took the airplane spin, got his ass whipped. I get the feeling that's what Daniel Cormier would do too because he he likes the entertainment side of things. He understands it. 
So when I see that, I'm like, oh, okay. And a lot of people suspected that Brock would be there. I figured it'd be very hard. He was in Saudi Arabia yesterday. Yeah, yeah I didn't think it was possible. Yeah. I find it hard that he would be in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Friday, New York, Saturday. Even if it were possible, he would hit somebody with the old piss-off mate with one of those. That's not Brock Lesnar's style, uh, essentially. But Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Cormier seems the next matchup. If this – if the, if for some reason, he were to lose. The UFC wouldn't have been too bummed. They could have booked Brock Lesnar and John Jones. No, no big loss there. I think this is a legit super main event that's going to do like a million. Well, anything with Brock's going to do a million buys. But I think for the last couple of years, when while Connor's been gone and John's been out and GSP sidelined but still out before that he was around for one fight i think cormier has been the ufc's biggest star for the last year or so yeah i mean this this is a huge fight this is already uh, an early christmas present for the ufc for next year uh, in terms of having this fight uh, you know thank god cormier won because we're gonna we're gonna see it happen it's got to happen uh, the question is when does it happen i know they announced that card in vegas on march 2nd maybe you push it then or maybe you do it a little bit earlier i don't know uh, where they're sort of you could do super bowl weekend i guess too um, I, I didn't check all the dates, but I'm sure they're going to that that'll be in, in, in its own card. And uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, thank God they didn't do Brock over Skype. Uh, you know, it's kind of Skype in or something like that, because you remember they did that with I think it was Hen and Burrell, and they tried to do like a trash talk and the connection didn't like didn't look as good. So, thank God they didn't do something like that. Huh? I forgot all about that. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a very Bellator thing to do. Yes. These days too. Yeah. So UFC 230, I thought it was a classic show. Just a ton of great fights, a ton of great moments, comeback wins. You had prospects winning. You had all-time greats on the show. You had fight of the year candidates, two of them. What will be your lasting memory years from now when somebody says UFC 230, what do you remember from the card, not not the lead up? Because, you know, we, we could have had Diaz and Poirier on here too. And who knows how we'd be talking then, but. What what will be what you think of? I know people are sick of me talking about it, but it's, it's Adesanya. I think this is the fight we're going to look back on. This was his big moment, his big stage, and I, I think big things are ahead for him. I think this is the card you're going to look at. You're going to remember him, you know, making that debut at Madison Square Garden and, uh, you know, really impressing over over Derek Brunson because, you know, there were people that thought that Brunson's wrestling could, could take care of business, but Adesanya put on a, a beautiful performance, and uh, I just think that, that he sort of stole the show in my opinion. Guys, I want to thank you all so much for joining us. You can join us every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Fightful MMA Podcast. It's a good time. We preview shows, review shows, talk about the MMA news, but I post MMA live updates on that new YouTube channel. Hit up FightfulMMA.com. We're getting stories up faster than ever. Check it out. We have a bunch up there from tonight. We have live coverage of the press conference over on Fightful MMA. And uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about that. Dana White says he's working on boxing deals right now. What do you make of that? Uh, until it happens, it happens. I was at the you know press conference with Mayweather and McGregor, and Dana's wearing the Zufa shirt, and I haven't heard a peep about boxing since anything officially booked. And didn't you hear him also say that I'm going to go after the top boxers? Like, where's this money coming from? So yeah. until we actually see this happen, and you know they got to compete with the zone. I saw they're going after uh, Golovkin. I think uh, now. I mean, there's there's uh, I mean, they're this going is, after a lot of people, James. That, that's what I'm saying. So I think that uh, that that's one of those things where uh, until it's actually booked i'm not even going to listen to that it's just uh it's nonsense as far as i'm concerned yeah the zone's trying to make some moves so i hear dana white has no comment on nate diaz says i actually forgot he was supposed to be on the card uh says they have an emo- opponent in mind for izzy but it's not Rockhold. dana will not c- compare adesanya to connor but said that he talked to connor for an hour last week wants a rematch with a b but will fight whoever that's good news that's really great news for the UFC that Conor McGregor is willing to fight whoever. Yeah, they have to. I've said this over and over again. You can't give him the Habib fight. I know it'll do great numbers, but McGregor loses two fights. You lose a lot of your stock here. Give him Justin Gaethje. I think that's a good fight for him, a winnable fight, in my opinion. Um, do do something smart with that. And, and the Diaz stuff, I mean, that's, I, I think, again, the only guy Diaz, Diaz knows what his worth is. And, and I think, and, and I th- actually, maybe McGregor and Diaz is, is the time to do that fight, too. Um, either way, I think, um, you know, you got to be careful with McGregor going forward. So uh, we'll see what happens. And, and why would Adesanya fight Rockle? Rockle's coming off a loss. To me, you got to give him someone who's exactly. you know, cut, cut their stock. Send Rockle to 205 now. Cormier's out of the division. 
let, let's let's make things interesting. Can you imagine a Luke Rockhold and John Jones fight? How great would that yeah. be? We have a super original comment in the live chat. Someone comparing your looks to Dean Ambrose, if you would. Oh, I've never that. heard that. Believe it or not, that's crazy. So. Wow, man. Yeah. Dana does not know what's next for Weidman and Lewis, but says he's going to start working on fights for 2019 on Tuesday because this card had a lot to do with what they're going to do early in the year. He's asked about Ben Askren and said, if I hated you so bad, what did I do the deal? Now, come on. Askren was still literally blocked until tonight on Twitter by Dana White. Dana White says that he will not try to convince Cormier to stick around if he wants to retire. And he says, if he thinks he's done, he's done. Usually... Dana White is good about that, although they did pull Derek Lewis out of retirement. They have Dana White does say often, oh, when somebody's done, they're done. But Derek Lewis said he was done, and then they offered him a fight two weeks later. Yeah, it's MMA. You can't the word retirement just should not go in, in MMA because we've seen so many guys come back and just again, until we don't see him for a while, until we, you know, we're they're on a milk cart and we can't find them. I think that's when you can uh, start talking retirement when it comes to fighters. Not sure what's going on with Brock. Doesn't know if he's next for Cormier, but surprised at how easily Cormier dominated. Israel Adesanya is up there now. Head over to FightfulMMA.com and FightfulMMA on Twitter for that. James, tell the people what you're up to and where they can follow you on social media. At Lynch on Sports, Twitter, Instagram, easiest place to find. Uh, I just, or find me, I should say, and uh, I just posted an exclusive interview tonight. Julian Arosa is going to be fighting on the Denver card next week. Talk to him tonight about getting that short notice call. He's going to be taking on Devontae Smith. Um, lots of good content for UFC Denver this week on Fightful. Uh, we, again, just like the Moncton card, I think we got more interviews than anyone right now. So if you want to get a head start on UFC Denver, uh, which is going to be a pretty good card, uh, check out Fightful.com. Interviews with a lot of different fighters, um, in, including, uh, yeah, just, just a whole bunch. Just you have to go look on uh, Fightful com and subscribe to the channel sean said it a bunch of times but we got to get those subs up uh lots of exclusive content over there that you're not gonna find anywhere else so uh, check that out yeah i'll be quite transparent guys we can't monetize it until 1000 that's important to the growth of fightful but i wanted to highlight carlos james and mma news especially we got a lot of cool stuff going on there i'm always adding new content up there we're gonna have clips from our interviews up there as well lots of neato stuff follow me at sean ross sap Done a bunch of podcasts this weekend, both on Fightful Select and Fightful.com. Check them out. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, YouTube. We're downloadable via MP3 at FightfulPods.com. We got iTunes everywhere. 